I'm Joe Forish, and this is You Say Data, I Say Data podcast. We talk about data, analytics, and its impact on business and society. We are the podcast for the Analytics Impact Network. Please visit us at analyticsimpactnetwork.org. On today's show with Erica Jacoby, we're going to find out, do those surveys you fill out in the office really work? How do you ask the right question? And most importantly, pumpkin spice latte is actually driven by data analytics. Erica Jacoby is the CEO of LC Global, a change growth and innovation consulting firm with offices in New York City and Munich. Erica holds a PhD in organizational development and change and a master's in human and organizational behavior systems and development. Erica has conducted large-scale organizational change initiatives with companies ranging from startups to Fortune 50 on three continents. Her goal is to help companies grow in an authentic and healthy way, and she sees data and agility as the main pillars to make that happen. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Erica to talk about business agility and big data, and most of all, why one can never work without the other. Erica, welcome. Joe, thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you. Let's get right into it. How are data and business agility linked? Whoa, that's a gold start here. Uh, <laughs> let's get into it. You know, let's not waste any time. And uh, ironically, this is actually the link. I think the, the link is in business nowadays, we have that much volatility. We've all seen it through COVID. We've seen it, you know, like natural disasters and so on and so forth. So we're dealing with an enormous volatility out there. And the one thing that businesses don't have any longer is time. Now, as businesses, we never had a lot of time at our hands, but I think nowadays it's even worse and we have to react really, really, really fast. And for that reason, in my eyes, we need data to pave the way so that we actually know how to react if something unexpected happens, which by now that's probably daily. (laughs) Data can really show us the way, lead us the way as to where we need to change, where we need to improve, what we need to drop, what we need to do differently, all of these things. So that's the, that's the link I see because we live in crazy, crazy, crazy volatile times. We need to have some stability which can come through data so that we can stay agile and act and react on a much more informed basis. Wow, that's a great point. Now, in terms of the data, there's a lot of different companies out there with different techniques and processes. When it comes to collecting data, is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? Or are there essentially do it any way you want? How does that work? That's a very good question. And I always think that's the number one question any company has to ask. How do we actually want to make use of data? I know a lot of companies, uh, companies that I consult to, where you come in and you're looking for data and then they say, oh, we have so much data. But I always go like, do you also know how to read it and how to utilize it so that it actually does serve as that North Star that can that can lead the way? So 
I think in general, there is not really a wrong way of doing that, but I think there are a lot of wrong ways of asking the wrong questions. Let's come from the positive side. I think data should be collected based on a question that serves the company for the future, for a desired future. Mm -hmm. And I always think nowadays everybody is so ready to jump to answers, but people in my eyes, in my humble opinion, don't know how to ask good questions any longer. I think a good way of collecting data is really finding a good question and then from there many, many good questions as to which data we're actually interested in that could help our business improve. That doesn't have to resemble the way other businesses improve. It can be very, very authentic, but it needs to mean something to us, to our people. And then the other question is information flow. I think another, you know, when you collect data, what do you do with the data? That's always my, my number one. Right. Question. That's a really good question. Not, not for me or you, but for everyone, right? Exactly. Right. So what do you do with the data? And I think that's where information flow kicks in because I think it might be, depending on the business, of course, it might be a good idea to actually have the people collect the data that will actually use it later on. And for sure, not in the top-down way that we used to experience for longer than not in the business world. Yeah, it's just as an example, if HR collects data and keeps it to themselves, in my eyes, it's not happy news. If the top management collects data and never makes them available for the rest of the company it's not good mm -hmm. news if people in the body of the organization collect data and use it themselves and let's say the top doesn't even get involved it's it can be super happy news right so the really? question <laughs> yes absolutely in my eyes because at the end of the day the the circuit almost like the the cycle should be as short as possible from collecting to actually utilizing it otherwise i think it gets too convoluted very easily. So it sounds like you're opting for people that they should take the data, analyze it. And if there is something that makes sense, they should do it, act on it without even running it by the top management, because it sounds like that could just really get complicated. Yes. I mean, there are always different models, but in my eyes, that's also how we can define business agility. Business agility, in short, is actually the capability or the skill sets that enable a company to find prompt and effective change responses to very rapidly occurring change needs. And that's the business reality we're facing nowadays. I don't know a single business, not even a coffee shop, <laughs> could do without it, right? Where we wouldn't have ever-changing, occurring change needs. I think the best example is COVID. All of a sudden, we had to do things totally differently and, yeah. we, you know, for, from one second to the other. And then we need to be able to react very, very fast. For example, let's stick with, you know, with the example of a coffee shop because it's, it's maybe a very simple example. But if you are not on the pulse of what consumers want right now, which which flavors and uh, I'm a little bit out of my league here, but which well, right now I think pumpkin spice is very popular at coffee shops now. Ooh, <laughs> right, right. Where did you collect that data from? 
Oh, there's a lot of advertisements everywhere. Oh, really? So you, they, they've done their homework. So, But I don't drink that stuff. I don't drink the pumpkin spice lattes at these coffee shops. See, and that's data, right? That's information. Yeah. Yeah. That's consumer-based information. We have many, many other sources for data. But I think it's very important because for the coffee shop, our example company, and, and nobody likes it, right? So then it's mm -hmm. a great marketing gag almost but it doesn't it doesn't lead to dollars in the bank that's a good piece of information then we need to change something right and then the question is what do we do with that information do we drop the pumpkin because people didn't like it that much and then we lose out on the marketing opportunity or do we use the pumpkin but mm -hmm. in a better with a better recipe or something like that and that in an agile organization is also part of a collective decision making process yeah nobody in their right minds in my eyes uh, and for that reason it's actually a really good example that we were developing here on the uh, in the spur of the moment Nobody in their right minds would really think that the top management of a really, really big coffee shop chain would be the best source of decision making here because they're so remote. They're so yes. far away from, from the consumers. So that's where agile kicks in, where business agility kicks in, that people can make really, really fast decisions on the spot mm -hmm. and that they can uh, feed that information back to whoever this is relevant for. So as it relates to agility, a lot of that relates to the rate of change within a business, correct? Yes. And when you're looking at a lot of companies that maybe they're changing or maybe they don't want to change, is there a certain rate of change that's good, whether it's quarterly or monthly? What do you think about that? That's a very interesting question. I see a number of different types of behavior that companies dis display, especially in light of volatility. One is change, 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 change. You know, times are crazy, so let's change crazy. You know, I, I used to say I've seen a lot of companies changing themselves to death, uh, even growing themselves to death. I haven't seen that many companies consolidating themselves to death. So there <laughs> is definitely too much, right? There is also a too little. I also think certain behavioral, almost neuroses <laughs> go along with them. So if you just want to change for the sake of changing, I don't think you will have done your company any good there is the right balance and the right balance is going back to that earlier definition that I gave, which is another source of data, by the way. Are we capable of meeting unexpected change needs with an effective change answer? Now, for example, if we're software developers, I'm sure it's very, very normal for them to have daily change requests, you know, maybe yeah, hours. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. And then we need to be able to use the data that we receive and react as a team very, very quickly. If we are in the airline industries or whatever, and now we're facing um, a huge crisis in, through COVID, mm -hmm. but it's not the first crisis. No. Right? I mean, we've had oil, we've had, we have natural disasters, we have um, political instabilities uh, and turmoil and whatever else. So the question is, how do we want to prepare as a company for something like that? How do we want to uh, make ourselves 
adaptive, then I think we also need to um, collect data in three different ways. One is to sort of like, how can we preserve what we really excel in, but also how can we maybe translate that into a new reality? How can we try and foresee new trends, potentially even disasters? What could happen? It's what Otto Scharmer once called learning from the future. And I think that's one of the biggest paradigm shifts in business, period. Uh, how, does, how does that work? How does learning from the future work? <laughs> Tell us about that, please. It's an art. And I don't think it's an art that anybody has ever really mastered. But I think mm -hmm. the, the thought counts, right? But I think it, for years and years and years and decades and centuries, we've built our businesses around wanting to learn from the past. So we wanted to optimize and we use data in that way. And that's why it was also mostly top down. Nowadays, we don't always know the direction, right? So we need to almost second guess what's going to happen in the future. And in my eyes, that's very, very, very possible if we look at certain trends. It's about finding patterns in seeming chaos. So although COVID has thrown us into chaos, we can see patterns. Yeah, totally. Uh, consumer trends can be another pattern. In which direction are they going? Let's say the trend is probably in a more healthy direction. And then the question is, how does that play out over time? Right. Those are questions where I think we need to, again, collect or, or utilize the collective mm -hmm. intelligence in our companies. And the question is, how do you utilize that data, you know, those data? Yeah. And, and mentioning consumer trends, they have obviously changed quite a lot over the past few months. I think that's always the irony, right? So now we're forced to change. But right. learning from the future is almost trying to avoid that by foreseeing what could happen or by understanding together as a collective what might happen and how we could actually proactively create a world and goods and products, services that are relevant for the future. You are the data specialist. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so you're the data specialist. Data can be anything that you see, right? How would you see that? How would you define data? <laughs> it's a very hard question. <laughs> good at that. <laughs> it's not a simple answer either. <laughs> see, I told you, it's always about asking the right question. <laughs> exactly. I want to touch a little bit more on some of the thought leaders you mentioned. Erica and I met at our public speaking group. And the reason why she's on our podcast was that I was talking to her one night at one of our speaking events. And I mentioned to her, I'm taking this program at Harvard and I have this professor by the name of Mike Tushman. Do you know him? Well, Michael Tushman is really a wonderful, wonderful professor, a thought leader. I think Joe, you were very, very surprised that I even only knew the name. But yeah. it's a very, very, it's, it's a very big name out there. If I was very impressed. <laughs> so I was very impressed that you, uh, you know, that you had the privilege to, to study with him. And yeah, learn. it was incredible. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> so Michael Tushman has this 
wonderful, wonderful concept out, uh, many of course, but I think one that you were referring to, the ambidextrous organization. Yes. And what that refers to is a little bit what I was trying to describe before, that any organization has features that are already in place, processes. I know people don't like the word process, but we have processes in place in any company, right? The question is how smoothly do these processes run? How lean are these processes? How much waste do we produce with with these processes? By the way, I used the word uh, waste with air air quotes, which nobody can see on a podcast. Very clever. (laughs) Okay, so Erica is indeed using air quotes right now. For those of you that can't see her, I I can see her. She definitely did it. Great, great, great. So waste really means like, you know, are we wasting money or time? Are we wasting nerves and energy? Can we do things more efficiently? So that's one part which they coined exploitation of what already exists so that we really utilize what already exists and make that. But that alone is not sufficient any longer. That is very, very much the way we used to do business before. But I think with the volatility nowadays, that's not enough any longer. We also need to have the explorative version of using data and and becoming more efficient, where we explore and venture out and do things that we've never done before. And I want to change gears on you a little bit when when it comes to gathering data. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you a very specific question. How often do surveys work? So how often do surveys work? That's really a very, very good question. In my eyes, it's a little bit like other data collection or other forms of data collection as well. It's much more the question what you do with the collected data, with the collected answers. It doesn't help much if you collect data through a survey and then never let the people know what the collective has answered. Right. I think it's very, very important to use surveys to get everybody on the same page of how we feel about each other, how we feel about the markets, how we do things and so on and so forth, that we can actually make that knowledge available. There is definitely an overkill um, when it comes to surveys. Sometimes people say or ask me, how can we run these surveys better? And I sometimes really say, don't run them quite so often (laughs) because there is such a thing as survey fatigue. That's a great point. Where in companies are surveys popular? Surveys are a hot topic for HR departments, for example. And that's where I always say, what are you gonna do with your data? If you use Data, for example, in HR to label people, I think you haven't done your company any good. Whether it's, for example, should we sort of try to find out our leadership skills, uh, advancing leaders, and then we know that candidate XYZ is a poor leader because of that survey or, or that assessment, then we have labeled the person and that's the end of all change. Right. So in my eyes, labeling and change are sort of opposing goals. Wow. You know what I'm trying? Okay. That makes sense. Totally. And there's another piece that we touched on briefly before that I wanted you to talk about a little bit more. And it relates to single loop learning and double loop learning. Can you talk about those two? 
Love it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> no, seriously, it's one of my favorite topics. And the concept is super old. It goes back to the 70s. You use that data to improve whatever you want to improve. That's a single loop learning process. Okay. But if you use that data or those data to also improve the organization around it, that would be a double loop learning process. Meaning to say, for example, I think that the standard example that's always given or that Arguris gives is, is a heating system, a thermostat. Mm -hmm. Let's say you are in a hotel and you have many, many rooms that of course need to be heated and you have a thermostat there that electronically gives you data as to, okay, the temperature should always be at however many degrees. That's single loop. So you would sort of say, okay, we always wanted to have at 79 degrees or whatever else. Ooh, it's hot. Okay. That's hot. Okay. I'm a woman. I, you know, so let's say whatever you like, 69 degrees. <laughs> so, but that's already, that's already the question. The question would be, what is double loop learning? So let's say we could actually make the whole system so intelligent that we could sort of say, hey, for example, if we use scientific data on the preferred temperature of, for example, gender-based or whatever else, I'm making stuff up here, but it's possible, right, to say how could we actually make it more comfortable for our guests. If we make the system so intelligent that we can maybe sense how many people are in the room, how that heats the room up, and then have the system learn through it and adjust itself depending on the situation it faces. So that it's not always like the temperature should be set at 69 degrees, but that can be adaptive to achieve. And remember when I said we need to ask good questions and we need to link it to a desired goal. So let's say the goal is two things. We want to make it very comfortable for our guests. We want them to feel at home without having to do much. And we want to save costs. So then we could use the same data to feed it back into that the system can self-regulate toward a desired result. And that's the same also for organizations. Organizations so that the business could actually self-adjust around that, if that makes any sense. And that would be amazing if a business could self-adjust like a thermostat. That'd be pretty incredible. And there are, there are companies that have set up a system uh, to do exactly that. And that's what we wow. really call enterprise agility, so that we can consistently even change how we do things depending on the data that we get. And that has to be the goal. The name of your firm is LC Global. What does it mean? <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Uh, LC Global. <laughs> Funny. I mean, it's still my, we've been in business for over 20 years and it's still my wow. thing to talk about because I think we always wanted to be adaptive as well, right? So we wanted to have a name that could grow with us or we could grow with a name. So the LC and LC Global stands for leadership and change. Agility and data go together, but leadership and change also goes together. So there is no change without leadership and there is no leadership without change. I do have one final question for you. It is a question that I ask all of my guests. Some people find it hard. 
but I think that you will find it as you deemed earlier, the right question. And that question is, do you say data or data? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I find it a good question. I say data, but as a change and agility specialist, I love, love, love the circumstance that we can say it in two ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I really enjoyed chatting with you today, Erica. Thank it you so much for being awesome. on the show. It was awesome to be on your show, Joe. Thank you for listening to the You Say Data, I Say Data podcast. To become a member, sponsor, donor, or podcast guest, please visit us at analyticsimpactnetwork.org.